from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos podcast as we kick off the 2023 podcast season. Ben Grant joined as always by JB. We've got weekly shows coming your way all the way through the Grey Cup Uh, in November and we're going to double it up once the CFL season gets underway so be sure to subscribe on your podcast app or if you're watching on YouTube so you don't miss a single episode. We got a lot going on today. We're going to talk a little bit about McLeod Bethel Thompson because people still want to talk about McLeod Bethel Thompson. It's a thing. I I get so many responses when we post McLeod stuff on, on Twitter so we'll just get into that briefly. But mostly, this is our draft special, and we're going to talk about the the CFL draft. It's less than a week away now as you listen to this. And before we get into any of that, I, I really want to share my excitement about our new title sponsor this season, Something in the Water Brewing. JB, you and I are both passionate about beer and the Toronto Argonauts, and Something in the Water combines these interests. So... First of all, they're in Liberty Village. They're steps from Lamport Stadium where the Argos practice and a stone's throw from BMO Field. So I know, JB, you and I are definitely going to spend a lot of time there. And secondly, they, they brew great beer, which is, is always good in my book. They've won multiple awards. And most notably, last year, they were honored as the new brewery for, for the year for all of Canada, uh, which is something special. So, uh, yeah, that, that's something I'm really excited about having them on board. They create what they call curious beers like Longboat Pale Ale, which was it's such a good story behind it. It was born out of a chance visit. Um, by Darius Bladek last summer to something in the water. And I'll tell you more about that story as as uh, we get into the season a little bit more, maybe when a longboat is re-released later on this year. But we are thrilled to have something in the water on board with us, JB. Now, JB, what, why don't we, just before we get into the, uh, the, the heart of our podcast here, I know we've got a lot of new listeners on board for this season uh, do you want to uh, just tell the, the listeners a, a bit about where we're coming from, what, what we do, uh, why they're listening to this podcast, why it has, <laughs> has any value to them? <laughs> if, it, if it does at all, well, I know this might be a short know. Yeah, I'm not sure if you segment. want to set me up for <laughs> why are you listening to the podcast. I needed a drink of water, so I thought you, you, can, you can handle this part. Yeah, we, are, we offer a, uh, a, a prepared and also off-the-cuff podcast. Uh, take on what's going on with the Argos and uh, you know I think that we have a lot of uh, high school coaching football in our background and uh, both have a deep interest in the X's and O's of the game and I think we offer a take on the Argos that isn't out there anywhere it's a bit of a vacuum in the CFL in Toronto so uh, we kind of jump in there and uh, we're, we're pretty positive most of the time but we we call them out when they're doing something that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I think my favorite thing about doing this podcast with you is that you offer a defensive perspective. You know, between the two of us, we've got something like 40 years of coaching experience and you're always on the defensive side of the ball. I'm always on the offensive side of the ball. And I think, do we coach eight years together? Six or six to eight years yeah, together? Somewhere, somewhere in, in that range. 
Yeah, in that range. And so, you know, the, the things that I love about the game are the things that you hate about the game and vice versa. And so, you know, you've got the, the D perspective and I've got the O perspective. So I think that that makes us perfect for, for this pairing. And, and, and uh, people may say, you know, oh, you coached high school. What the heck does that have to do with professional football? But <laughs> I'll tell you, you go to practice and everybody's bigger and everybody's faster. But other than that, it feels like every practice I've ever been to. I was saying that same thing to to Pinball Clemens when we were in in Edmonton a few weeks ago. Just that when I watch the the practices uh, at Lamport Stadium, and you know we sit there and we laugh, like you and I have laughed about you know some of the the same stuff that you see, the same things you know, same things that either frustrate coaches or make coaches laugh or or make coaches you know widen their eyes and uh, you know be impressed by something. It's it's the same stuff. It you know football is football. And, uh, you know, whether it's whether it's peewee football or or high school or, or semi pro or or U sports, uh, NCAA pro football, football is football. So it's all the same. All right, JB, let's get into let's get into McLeod Bethel Thompson a little bit here because he's been he's been lighting it up as a New Orleans breaker. Is this like does it does it hurt? at all to watch McLeod Bethel Thompson playing for another team? Is this like, is this like, you know, watch, watching your ex with, with another guy? Um, no, I, I mean, it's more like, like watching my neighbor with a different guy. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm happy for him. I think that uh, we were, we were big proponents of him last year. We both felt that he was uh, an elite CFL quarterback and that was proven out when they won the Grey Cup. And he's gone home for for family reasons and is doing really well in the USFL and um, hopefully it gets uh, gets a shot at, at at maybe getting a camp invite to the NFL uh, if he can continue to to really perform this well in the USFL. Right now he he is probably the best quarterback in the USFL. Uh, they're two and zero and he's he's thrown for six hundred yards and. Um, you know he's doing everything we knew he was capable of. He's still an incredibly hot and cold quarterback. Um, you know when he's on, he's dynamite, and when he's off, he's really off. But I, I, I'm actually really excited for it. I, I love seeing him do well, and I, I really hope it, it builds to uh, to a camp shot for him because you know we, we talked about like a lot of NFL teams. I know he's, he's older. And he's not a prospect anymore. But NFL teams are not looking for a prospect uh, to run their practice squad. They're looking for a guy who can run it without much coaching. And I, I think he fits that bill perfectly. Uh, if you have a, you know, if you if you want a guy to run your scout team, so I, I'm really pulling for him to continue to do well. And I think he's a guy too that if he can and understand, like we think this is a long shot. This isn't. Even if, and he's, on, I think he's on track right now to be the USFL MVP. He's playing so well. But even that, even if he wins the championship, it's still a long shot to get a camp invite. But as we've seen, McLeod's one of those guys, like once you get him in the door, remember his time with Toronto, he wasn't supposed to be the guy almost every single season, right? It was supposed to be Ricky Ray and Ray gets hurt. There's McLeod. It's supposed to be James Franklin. Franklin gets hurt. McLeod's in and, you know, throws for the most touchdowns in the league. Then it's supposed to be Arbuckle and then... Uh, McLeod comes in uh, and is so good that Arbuckle gets gets traded away. And last year was the only year where it was supposed to be McLeod and it was McLeod. And so he finds he's there's there's always a way. Anytime he's given a chance, he makes the most of it. And, you know, that's that's all he needs. But like you said before, 
I'm so happy he's able to play in front of Chinaka and Aziza. Like the, just seeing him after the game, hugging his family and knowing that that's why he's doing it uh, is is pretty cool. But like like you said, there are those those McLeod moments, right? Like he started that for the first half of his first game. It was not good. It was terrible. I thought he might get benched at halftime. And I was like, man, that this might be it. Uh, and and it, I think it was because there was a little bit of surprise. At, like his O-line was not having a good game in that first outing. He he got hit a ton. He had no time. And he adjusted in the second half. He got rid of the ball a lot quicker. And since then, he just he hasn't looked back. Uh, hasn't thrown an interception, three touchdowns. He's led his team to victories late in the fourth quarter in both games. He had just some beautiful downfield throws. And that was something that you and I had criticized him for last year. Like one of the only things he couldn't do over the last two seasons was hit that deep ball consistently. And he's been able to find that uh, with the breakers. So, you know, that's that's great to see. So, you know, we're cheering for him. If you get a chance, if you have the means to be able to watch a New Orleans Breakers game, it, it's it's just cool to see McLeod out there. And he's got a ton of CFL guys around him, too, or former CFL guys around him as well. Uh, you got Wes Hills in the backfield, and there are guys sort of scattered all over the league. Uh, names that you'll recognize, guys that were in camp for a little bit and just couldn't quite give it a go. Like Kenji Bahar uh, last week was the quarterback for, for Houston. He was briefly in Argo's camp uh was the last year it was two years ago he was in there with with Nick Tiano and with Pipkin Arbuckle McLeod and there he is suddenly on the opposite side of the field as as McLeod in the, uh, the USFL so yeah a lot of familiar names so if you get a chance to check it out and you're an MBT fan uh, definitely worth it JB let's get into the CFL draft because this is the draft special a week away as we said less than a week away by the time you're listening to this so We've had a few questions over the last couple of weeks specifically about how the CFL draft works. And I know most of you, uh, longtime listeners, have a really good understanding of the draft. I just want to spend a minute bringing people up to speed who are new because it's never our... Anytime we do anything on the show, our intention is never to overwhelm or to make you feel bad about you know what you don't know about football or anything like that in fact it's the opposite we want to share the game we want to teach uh, things about the game give you things to look for and make you feel included in this and so you know if this is not new for you please uh, be patient for uh, just a minute as we bring people up to speed on this because we did have a lot of uh, sort of you know CFL draft 101 style questions so basically it is like most other leagues drafts except there are some differences but it's the same idea of you know you've got a draft order last place picks first first place picks last and and you go you know round by round through the draft there are eight rounds this year that has changed a few times but eight rounds in this draft Uh, what's different is that this is just a draft of canadian players now there's an asterisk there too because what it means to be a Canadian player has changed a little bit back and forth. But forget that part for now. Just think of it as as Canadian players. We call these nationals. And um, a, a large percentage, in fact, most of your team needs to be made up of nationals. And on on any given game day, you've got to start. You've got to you've got to you've got to dress uh, 21 nationals. And so on your on your roster, on your 45 man roster, uh, that's obviously a large percentage. You've got a couple global players in there. You've got Americans in there. And so you're drafting specifically Canadians. Now, they're not all from U Sports schools. 
Uh, in fact, a lot of the guys picked in the in the first round often are from NCAA programs. We've got so many Canadians that are now playing uh, for NCAA teams. And what separates this, though, from other drafts is that the best Canadians aren't drafted in the first round typically because it's too much of a risk. And this is where the CFL draft is so much more difficult than the NFL draft because in the NFL draft, you're just drafting the best players. Everybody's available to you. In the CFL draft, not only is it Canadians, but you don't want to draft a Canadian that's going to go on to have a great NFL career because that's of no use to you. The money's not the same. The opportunities aren't the same. They're almost certainly going to take that NFL route if it's open to them. And so, for example, this year, there's there's a bunch of great Canadians who are going to be drafted in the NFL. Uh, Chase Brown, Sidney Brown, uh, just to name a couple right off the bat. And then those guys, like I don't even put them on my draft board because I know they're going to be drafted in the NFL. They're going to play there for several years. I would, someone will. I would not spend a pick if I were the Argos on on guys like that. Now, I would spend a pick on some other guys like City So, for example, who he's a guard and he's going to be drafted probably late in the draft. But that is worth a pick, not a first rounder. But that's a guy that you might take a little later on because even though he's going to be drafted, maybe it's sixth round, maybe it's seventh round, maybe he spends a couple years in the NFL. But there's a much better chance a guy like him ends up back up here in the CFL. And so there are a few guys like that where, yeah, they're probably going to spend a year or two down in the NFL, maybe more, maybe it works out well for them and great. But if not, then you know that your team has their rights when they come up here. And so that's the balance here. And I know JB, like you love, you love the the lottery pick idea. And the Argos have done a lot of that in the last few years, you know, Luigi Valin, for example. And, you know, there's probably three or four guys like St. Just was in there too. Guys that we're waiting on, maybe they'll end up coming up here, maybe not. But like, why do you think a late round pick is is worth taking a guy like that, even though you may never see him in the CFL? Well, I mean, statistically, everybody after the second round has almost no chance of playing in the CFL. So, when when you're looking at at that, you're you're better to to take a shot and maybe, you know, maybe a guy washes out in the NFL or he's just doesn't quite have the measurables. Um, to play in the NFL and still has a lead-up athleticism and wants to play ball. So to me, it, it makes total sense to to take a shot at that because you're not really wasting picks. Like if you went over the last 10 years and looked at who played in the CFL from the 6th and 7th round, uh, you're not going to find very many players. So I, it's, it to me, it's risk-free. You might as well take your shot at a reasonable risk. Like, you, you're not going to get... If, if somebody's drafted, they're probably going to kick around for three or four years in the NFL practice squads, what have you. Uh, you're really looking for guys who are more, like, on the cusp of being drafted, um, you know, high-priority free agents. Maybe they wash out in camp. And uh, and are, are able to come up here simply because the NFL demands a, a measurable that they don't have in terms of size and speed. But uh, to me, it, it doesn't make any sense at all to to use those picks on anything other than that in, in the final two rounds. And the Argos are one of the few teams that have really found 
uh, sort of diamonds in the rough guys in those later rounds that have actually played and are still on the roster, but it is rare. It, the Argos, I think, were, there was a stat I saw on Twitter, I think it was Marshall Ferguson that put it out, uh, it was a little while ago now, but the Argos were were by far the best at retention over the last six years, guys that were drafted and were still playing on the team. It was it was extremely high, but it was still under 50%. But nobody right. else and that, was. That's including the first three rounds. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's tough. It is. It's a it's a really tough draft, and that's why that's why we respect you know the the brass of the Argos over the last few years. They've had great drafts. When you think about the production they've they've got, not just in the, those early rounds, but all the way through the draft. So, yeah, and and some long plays that may start coming up, like Sage Dockstader, for example. He's a guy they they drafted. They weren't sure he was playing at New Mexico State. They weren't sure if he was going to get an NFL look. He didn't get drafted, but he was a UDFA. He ended up in New Orleans, got cut last year. He's playing in the XFL now, and we don't know. You know, maybe he does end up coming back to to the CFL. Maybe it's this year. Maybe it's next year. But it's looking more and more like that may be a guy we see, and he's an excellent player. And that's a guy that they just felt was worth the gamble. And yeah, there are a number of those guys this year in those the sort of first two rounds. Um, I've got a couple guys projected that I think are going to be here sooner rather than later, if not immediately. And then a few guys in the later rounds, the third, fourth round where, yeah, they're going to end up in the NFL, but it's, it's, it's worth a gamble. JB, why is, why is the CFL draft so important? All the stars of the league, I shouldn't say all because that's just not accurate, but most of the stars in the league are Americans. You've got guys like Curly Gittins Jr., certainly Keenan Schaefer-Baker. There are, there are Canadian stars, Andrew Harris, Canadian star. But most of the guys you see week to week are Americans. The quarterbacks, now that Nathan Rourke's gone, are all Americans. So, so why is the CFL draft so important? Well, I mean, I don't. It it doesn't seem that important for most of the league based on the the playing stats. I think the Argos. But again, have like, to interrupt you though, like the Argos came off a Grey Cup win. To the two best teams at at drafting, Toronto and Winnipeg, it may not be the Canadians that that are on the highlight reels every single week, but. Last year's Grey Cup game, Enoch Mwamba, Canadian, Curly Gittins Jr., Canadian, Robbie Smith, Canadian, like guys that that are standout players now Gins Jr. didn't actually have a, a good great cup at all but Robbie Smith was the hero at the end he had a really solid game throughout and Moamba won like every award you could and those are Canadian players so they, <laughs> no, they I, do jump up uh, and Andrew Harris of course too yeah like I've you know I'll finish there is yes uh, I think most of the league doesn't seem to think it's very important based on the playing but the Argos clearly do and it has shown to be a successful strategy that you can, re- you know, you have to have seven starters. You have to have twenty-one dressed to our nationals, uh, Canadian, or sort of qualify as Canadian through a variety of rules. And the the higher the quality you have at special teams, the higher the quality you have at offensive line. Um, you know, it makes a huge difference if you if you don't have a drop off in talent uh, when you're trying to get a Canadian. Uh, into your roster so it, it really is about overall team depth and and clearly the Argos have have chosen that which I think is the smart thing to do which is to to really make sure that they're that they have a quality special teams and a really deep offensive line and that's to me what the draft is for 
occasionally maybe you you get a star at a, you know wide receiver in the first couple of picks um but i've for the most part i'm i'm about stacking special teams and deepening the offensive line and and the argos have done a really good job with that because you know th- i think that's really why they're in a great position so it from an argo perspective the draft is really important and they have been really successful and i i think it's why they've been able to be one of the top teams the last uh, two years yeah i completely agree with that and and i would say that the argos are the only team in the cfl that could legitimately go into the season without anyone from the draft they have all their canadians in place right now well, I, which is why I think, I mean, one of the many reasons they traded their first round pick um, beyond it being an unbelievable opportunity to bring in talent. But uh, I, I, I don't think that this is not a team that needs a first round pick to hit or anybody to hit. I think anything they score in this draft is is absolute luxury. And let's move on to talk a little bit about draft strategy, because this sort of ties into both things that, that we're talking about here. The draft strategy for the Argos isn't really, in my mind, and again, I don't I don't know exactly the, the Argos, as much as I spend time planning for the draft every year, the Argos always go and do something that I didn't see coming, that I wasn't expecting. And so everything I'm about to say to you could completely fall on its face come Tuesday night next week. But the way I think this draft is going to go is they're not really going to be even looking for guys who are going to contribute this year, which isn't terribly unusual for the CFL draft. It's not common to have a lot of first-year starters, first-year starting Canadians uh, on CFL teams. But the Argos have, over the last few years, you had Gregor McKellar, who was starting at left guard. As a rookie, you had Peter Nicastro, who was starting at center the year before that. They have hit on a number of these guys, but I don't think that's going to be the plan this year. I think instead... You look at the way the roster is going to turn over after this season because of that 2020-2021 sort of uh, two-year combo because of the canceled season in, in 2020. You've got two draft classes whose contracts, whose rookie contracts are coming to an end. And so really the guys you take in this year's draft aren't necessarily going to be stars that are going to shine for you this year but guys that can fill in next year. And so I was looking through looking through the Argos roster, and the, like we said, there aren't any holes this year. They're perfectly ready to go. They could, they could start eight or nine Canadians this year and be perfectly fine and be a really strong team. And they, they might. They did that sometimes last year. And, but the problem is with so many people not necessarily leaving, but potentially potentially leaving after the season, you got to start filling in there. And so... That's where I do think they have to be a little bit tactical because you've got a couple receivers that are that are coming off the board. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Brissett. You don't know what's going to happen with Neald. And so, you know, they probably are at some point going to have to take a receiver. But you look at this draft class, that's tough, too, because you've got guys that I've projected as being potential starting receivers down the road there's just not that many that I see now if you want a special teams type receiver we we do have some of those guys there are guys that you know technically play receiver but aren't necessarily going to be 
on the field as a receiver. They're going to be special teams contributors. A bunch of those guys that I've got projected as sixth, seventh, eighth round picks, but maybe teams see those as more valuable this year because they know they need those guys on their roster. And so maybe those guys go a lot earlier than, than we think. So that's going to be interesting to watch too. But yeah, this strategy this year, I think is going to be based on guys that are leaving. These guys will come in and have a year to figure it out. And then they're off and running next season. So JB, let's, uh, before we get into guys that we think the Argos should target, I, I just want to tell you a little about a little bit about uh, Etobicoke Toronto Rise Flag Football. They're one of our sponsors this season as well. And this segment is brought to you by Etobicoke Toronto Rise Flag Football. They're powered by Under Armour. And registration for flag football for their spring flag football season for all players from kindergarten through grade 12 is happening right now. The season starts May 6th, which is coming up soon, and runs through June 24th. And all teams that are in this program can qualify for the provincial championships coming up in Georgetown in July, which is pretty cool. Plus, they have an all-new girls flag football program. It's an all-girls program. And if you want to find out more information about that, you can go to uaflag.ca slash Etobicoke. That's UA as in Under Armour, uaflag.ca slash Etobicoke. Or you can find them on Instagram or Facebook. And as with all of our sponsors, we're really happy to have them on board this season. All right, JB, we talked about the fact that because of the Jordan Williams trade, we don't have the Argos with a first round pick this year. So let's talk about guys that we are targeting for round two, because someone's going to fall. Someone's going to be there. Someone falls every year into round two. And everybody's like, How? I can't believe they fell. Uh, you know, we we had Deontay Knight last year, Adebaboye as well. They both fell and the Argos were able to grab both of them. Someone's going to fall. Who's the guy you are looking for in round two for the Argos of this year's draft? Uh, yeah, it's interesting looking at how the, you know, the um, people have sort of changed their minds. Um, it, it, it's not, from everything I can see, uh, not a particularly strong draft. So I think that it, it is probably a draft that um, is prone to having, to be surprising, to be hard to mock. I think there's going to be more variety in the picks than normally we see. I don't, I don't think you have necessarily an automatic like top 10. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see if we could get the, uh, the London guard, uh, graphic, um, Philip to, uh, to fall. I know people are falling in love with him and he is a road grader. He, he, you know, he's certainly not flawless. Um, he, he, you know, when he's out, when you look at his film, uh, he, he is the classic O-line bully taking, t- taking cheap shots on receivers when he gets a chance, uh, finishing his blocks, looking for a pancake every time, uh, run plays. If they are crashing down, uh, he is taking advantage of that opportunity every time to, to wipe out the guy in front of him. Uh, he's a little... You, you know, you can see it like a lot of road graders. He, you know, he's he's better at run than pass. And can he hold up um, against pass rush? I think it's 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 that'll be something he'll have to work on. Um, I think it's a little easier at guard uh, than tackle. He certainly is not ever going to be a tackle. But uh, um, 
I I really like him. I think he, you know, I think you if you're looking for a guy to add to your room who who already does one thing really really well in terms of being a running road grader and if you can if you can work on the footwork and get to, and coach him up in terms of being able to take on um you know more more pass rush um defenders i i I'd, I'd love to see him fall to the second i uh, you know i don't think he will because i think people are going to fall in love with his his pancake film and offensive line coaches are going to be banging the table looking for uh, for that snowplow in their room but he he is the one i'm i'm holding out for it that maybe maybe got maybe his weaknesses um scare a few people off it's possible and just before i i give you my thought on that i I do want to say as an offensive coach and this is where we differ a little bit what you call cheap shots on dbs i think is finishing your block doing what you're supposed to do (laughs) when you pull out on a screenplay uh only a defensive coach would say uh, that the offensive line blocking a db is a is a cheap shot but yeah, no, he's 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 nasty, you know. He he gets in there, and the Argos do like guys like that. You watch Nicastro's film from from his time as a Calgary Dino, or or a McKellar for that matter too. Both of those guys are not guys you want to line up against, and they love that kind of lineman. Darius Bladek's got a little bit of that, you know. Philip Blake had a little bit of that. Uh, he's obviously not with the Argos this year, but they're they're drawn to, like guys that you don't want to line up against. Love having those guys on my team. And I know Vince Magri and company uh, feel the same way about that. Just based on looking at who they draft each year. Yeah, they like guys that, you know, you, you don't want to line up against. Yeah, there's not a ton of offense, offensive line depth in the draft, um, which makes it unlikely he drops to two. But, you know, he <clears throat> he certainly is not the most polished offensive lineman. So I, I don't think it's, it's a slam dunk. He goes in one. Yeah, it, like going into the combine, he was viewed as being one of the one of the top guys, if not the top uh, offensive lineman at the combine. And it was a little bit hit and miss with him. He had a bit of a rough start and, you know, he got burned a couple of times in, in individual drills. And I think it depends which part of the combine people are going to remember most on draft day. Because if you look at those early reps, I know a lot of people look at each other saying like his film looks so good that that whole Western O-line was so dominant. And you see his film like he like you're talking about. He's he, he's pretty solid. But uh, yeah, he didn't start out that way at the combine. But then the next day he pulled it all together and he looked the way that that he did on film. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's totally possible that he drops. <laughs> he also had 26 reps on the bar. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a machine. Yeah, so that, he's, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, but I mean, if you can't dream, what, what's the point of doing a mock draft if you're not going to dream? But there are scenarios where that will happen. And so like, and if you're, if you'd like to take a look, I've got my rankings, uh, players one all the way through 85 on xsandargos.com. If you want to take a look at that and please check back later in the week after the NFL draft is done, I'm going to review my rankings and I'll make a printable sheet so you can print it out, follow along with the draft. I'll make it, I was going to say interactive. It's not really interactive. It's like interactive for an old man like me who, you know, leaves a box for you to fill in who drafts them and where on a piece of paper. But that's, you know, that's, that's how I roll. So printable draft sheet, that's, that's right up my alley. So if you're wired like me, uh, that'll work for you. Uh, but uh, that's going to come up 
later in the week. You can find that all on xsandargos.com. So for my Argos first pick, second round, I'm also going to take a flyer on a guy that may not be there. But like we said last year, you just, you never know. The CFL draft is so weird. And every year, someone's going to draft a guy that I have as a fourth, fifth, sixth rounder, and they're going to take him the first round, and we're all going to be stunned. And it will leave someone there for the Argos in round two. I'm going to go with Leg Corte Moore. And this is a dream, just like your your Grovic dream. (laughs) You know, these guys probably aren't there. Man, Lake Corte Moore is fun to watch. The reason he may drop is he's a little bit of a tweener. He, you know, between being, and he's a defensive lineman. So between being a defensive tackle and a defensive end, where is he going to go? So uh, I think the way that, the way that teams are looking at him, they're really viewing him as a defensive tackle. That's sort of what he has to be. And he's going to probably need to put on a little bit of weight for that. I don't know if teams are going to play, you know, if he's going to be heavy enough for that, or they're going to have to, you know, maybe play him sort of rotationally as an outside piece. I don't know. For me personally, I don't care. He's the kind of player you got to find a way to get him in there. He's a great leader. And that's something that really stood out at the combine. A guy that was encouraging Everyone else at the draft and or at the at the combine, encouraging other players, encouraging the global players. You see him after reps, he would go off to the side. And this was one of my favorite things to watch was after he'd be done with reps. Nobody's watching. There aren't cameras around. There aren't reporters over there with microphones. And you see him talking to guys about things they've got going on, moves they had, uh, strategies they employed. And a guy like that, to me, that's someone that loves football. And so you bring a bunch of guys into your team that love playing football. Uh, that's a recipe for success. And then the other thing I like, they had a session of of long snapping. And I do think the Argos need a long snapper. Now, I, there's a couple of guys I think they should look at drafting later on in the draft. And again, you can find that in my article on xsandargos.com. But, uh, you know, Lake Corte Moore... He's not a starting long snapper in the CFL, but JB, you remember last year when the Argos lost Jake Reinhardt and they had to fill in, they got a bunch of guys trying to long snap that just weren't quite there because they're not long snappers. Lake Corte Moore is like just off being a CFL caliber long snapper. He, he was at the at the combine at Edmonton, he was the best long snapper there because it wasn't a it wasn't where all the specialists were doing their long snapping that was that was you know held at a, a different combine. But of all the guys there, man, he stood out. He can really fire that ball back there, and so that's just an added bonus. If you get a guy that can also long snap at a near CFL level, you never know when you're going to need a backup, and he can step in and do that. So a little bit of value added for Lake Corte Moore. JB, who's your mid-round guy? So we get to we get to the third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in there. Who's a guy that you're thinking maybe he can fall to the third, maybe he can fall to the fourth, and a guy you're excited about? Um, I'm I'm really excited about. Uh, I mean, it depends. I know you have him ranked a little higher, uh, but I I'm really excited about Lucas Cormier from uh, from Mount A. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I think when you watch his film. You know, to me, what it screams is special teams ace. Um, you know, could he challenge Haggerty at some point um, for that spot as to Canadian safety? I mean, he clearly has good hands. He clearly has, uh, you know, he feels comfortable in space and he's able, you know, his picks are all 
um, positional, you know, like it, they look really easy, but that's just because he's read the play really well and, and he's put himself right in the quarterback's path um, without the quarterback realizing it. Um, but, you know, his, his pursuit speed, his, his tackle violence, um, you know, his measurables are pretty good. You know, he's a, uh, you know, six one and he, uh, he put up, uh, you know, 10 bench, which is not tons, but pretty good for a DB. Most of the DBs were a little bit below that. So you don't expect a DB to put up what an offensive lineman would. And, you know, his 40 time four six two is very good. Um, he, he, he he doesn't look that fast on film, um, but his tackle pursuit is really good, which is what what really kind of triggered me to to look at him as a as a special teams guy that you could roll in. I think uh, you know he 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 is a very good football player. I think that um, he'd be a steal if we could get him in the fourth round. I would be over the moon because I think he absolutely makes the squad. Yeah, I don't know if he slips to fourth. I can see him slipping to third. Like you said, I have him ranked really high, but I I do think I'm in the minority on that. I I wrote an article about guys I was interested in on Three Down Nation. And if you want to check that out, you can just search up uh, up my articles on Three Down Nation and find that. And I wrote a little bit about Cormier and things I I liked about him. And it's a lot of the stuff that that you're talking about too, that you saw on film as well. What What I liked about, actually, before I get to that, you know, you mentioned battling it out uh, for a job in Toronto, that that's a real need. I, like I know they've got Mechie signed through twenty four, but like with CFL contracts, it it never really is to the full length of the, of the deal. If the team finds another way out, these contracts are often very team friendly, and so after this year, you know Josh Haggerty's contract is up. Mechie, you never know if they're going to decide to move on or if they're they're going to stick with him. But I think they will need, between this year and next, like you've got to have other options. I know they got Eric Sutton too. I, I don't really love him as a safety. I like him pretty much everywhere else. But yeah, Cormier, to me, just absolutely jumped out. And a few reasons for that. Number one, at the Combine, his equipment didn't arrive. And so he had to borrow equipment. He was wearing shoes that weren't his own shoes. He was wearing an Elks helmet because he just had to take what they had available, it being in Edmonton. And so that, I think, actually helped draw attention to him, to me. Because I was, I kept looking up and like, who the heck is that guy? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, that's Cormier. Um, and man, did he look good. So I agree with you. I, I think I've got him actually graded as as first-round talent. And I don't think everyone else does. And now maybe maybe other maybe other guys, maybe scouts see it the way I do. Uh, I'd be flattered if they do, but I know I've seen him mocked late. I've seen him with third, fourth, fifth, even uh, round value. But yeah, if you can find this guy in the third round, like if if they haven't, if he's still there in the third round and the Argos have not taken him by then, like they absolutely have to jump on that. I would even take him in the second round if he was there and some of the guys we talked about weren't, then yeah, Cormier is is absolutely worth it i see him as a starting safety in this league in 2024 i mean i'd be i mean i will see i'd be surprised if he went to when i mean when you watch the film he certainly is not the twitchiest athlete ever no no um at at safety you know where you're like okay um i'm not you know i'm not totally sure how that translates but uh but he he definitely does have closing speed he does not he definitely has a physicality um, and he clearly, you know, understands route uh, route combinations and 
and and being in the right place. So he, you know, he's got ball hawk hands. You don't you don't just end up picking um, by accident. So yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious to see how he drops. I I think we got a shot at him at four. We'll see we'll see who's right. Yeah, I, again, I don't want to I don't want to wait that long. I'd be too too nervous about even chancing that. But man, that guy's talented. And I like you said, like the maybe the fast switch isn't quite there, but I think you can get away with that a little bit at safety. And that is where Canadians tend to play yeah. on the defense uh, in the CFL because you don't necessarily need to be a four four guy. Like it's not like Mechie didn't put up uh, a faster forty time. So you can you can be that guy as long as you you've got the processing speed and that's something Cormier did and he showed that off at the combine as well instantly processing saying you know as as the play is developing it's like this is Mills you know and he knows to, to cut in he knows where to go um and makes plays on the ball good height too yeah no I, everything about him I like like I, again I, I think I'm in the minority and obviously you are too on this but maybe maybe not. Maybe he's gone in the first round, and and there goes that dream. But yeah, I would love if the Argos could get him in the mid rounds. So my mid round guy, I'm gonna go with Charlie Ringland. Uh, Charlie Ringland was this was the I don't know. He was it was such it was such an emotional roller coaster watching Charlie at the combine because he wasn't a guy that I had pegged as a player of interest going into the combine. He hadn't really stood out to me too much on film. Uh, you know, I, I, I watched him a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay. But nothing, I wasn't going in there thinking, man, I can't wait to see Charlie Ringland. And then he went and jumped out of the gym on his testing. I think he had a 40-inch vertical. And not only that, on the field, it showed up too, that explosiveness. And I don't know why I didn't see that earlier in the film, but it is there. It just didn't jump out to me when I was watching initially. I'll go back and watch some of his tape, and I'm like, oh yeah, the I get that. I see that. I'm, you know, I know what what I'm looking for now. But then unfortunately, uh, he was injured. Uh, he took a non-contact injury, an ACL injury, and I know he's getting that repaired, and it in all likelihood is gonna be out all this season. But should be 100% healthy by next year. This fits perfectly into the Argos plans. Like we talked about, they're not drafting these guys, especially in the mid rounds. You're not drafting the guys for this year. You're drafting them for the future. And so if that means that Charlie spends the year rehabbing, setting the playbook, doing film, familiarizing himself with the defense, the coaching staff, the players, Perfect. Love that. Because this guy is a first or second round talent and he's going to drop because unlike the Argos, a lot of other teams need these guys to contribute this year. They desperately need Canadians on the field somewhere, even if it's just playing specials this year. And so they can't maybe draft a guy like Charlie Ringland. The Argos can. And the Argos love value in their late picks. We've we've seen them do that before. So absolutely draft him starting. I don't know where you start that. You start probably third, fourth, fifth round thinking about that because I think he'll be there. And so, yeah, absolutely a guy I would take. And I know you're, you, you love that being a New England Patriots fan. You love the, the, those sort of value finds, guys that sort of, you <laughs> yeah, know. I mean, they, they, I mean, to be honest, they tend not to turn out, but uh, I still salute the idea behind it. Um, yeah, but I, he, he's there. And I agree. I'm telling I think, you. The Argos are in a place where they are not accumulating talent that they 
they're the, I mean, as the defending champs, you know, they're a team that has the luxury of, of picking somebody they don't need right away. And I, I fully agree with you. They should, they should take advantage of that. That's one of the, one of the perks of having a deep roster is, you know, you can do that. You know, you look at Edmonton or Ottawa, um, you know, really most of the league, they need, you know, they need to, to, pick somebody who could potentially pop for them at camp. And uh, I, that would be a great pick if the Argos put them on ice for a year. Yeah, love it. All right, late rounds, JB. We get to the seventh, to the eighth. Who are you taking a swing for late in this draft? Um, I, I Look, I, I don't know if he would go that late. I do, I do like the, the kid from St. Mary's. That's my own kind of bias, Sebastian Howard, who is kind of positionless. He's... He's not going to play tight end in the CFL. Um, obviously, he has a fantastic story in terms of overcoming, you know, being homeless and and having you know really not an easy path. And and even as St. Mary's, not that easy. But um, his he he clearly has terrific athleticism. Um, I, that would be kind of fun if if we added him to the mix at at the end. I I like a good story. Uh, for me, <laughs> I'm going to go off the board. I really hope he gets picked. So there's a kid out of Queens, Eric Colonna, who played in Peel and just is everything you want in a football player. Um, you know, he's only 5'9", um, and, you know, he had 14. He put it up 14 times, and his, you know, his 40s, 4'9", his measurables are not uh, going to jump out at you, but my God, I I will just tell you he is he's a coach's dream. I mean, there isn't a coach. I, if we brought the Queens coach on now, I bet he'd talk for an hour about Eric Colonna. Um, he is everything you want in a football player. I I know if they were to pick him, he would absolutely make the team as a special teamer. I I you cannot go wrong by picking people like him and having them on your bus in in my opinion I I I would love for them to pick him he you know it's my own personal bias having <laughs> coached against him and and watched him um for his 5 years in in Peel uh he is he is a great football player and then he took it to Queens and uh performed well at the at the next level at the CIS level and, you know, he's not going to blow you away when you look at him coming off the bus. But not to get too uh, cliche-ish, but, you know, he is a football player. Um, absolutely a guy you want on your team. I, I would love to see him get a chance. Yeah, I'd love that too. Um, you know, we we've we actually coached against like ten of the guys in this this year's draft, which has been the case for each of like the last the last five years. But, yeah, he's one of those guys that you definitely remember. Uh, I know he, he gave you a number of headaches as he did me. Uh, so He just does everything so well. He, you can just see it. He just, he, everything he does, he does well. You know, he, he is athletic. He does hit like a truck. He's in the right position all the time. Uh, I just can't believe that there's not a spot for him on a special teams. And the reason he might drop is because he's, he's five foot nine. And yeah, so that's... No, the, I, 
that's he, where he, he might he might fall. But he's yeah, right. he's a gym rat. He's you know tough as nails. Man, I love watching him play. And he's he's kind of like you should you should watch his his highlight tape on YouTube. He hits yeah. he hits guys so hard because because not only because of his physicality, but also because he's always in the right spot, so he can always take the exact correct angle. Like being able to hit guys that hard is more than just you know, speed and, and closing speed, it, you know, it's about being, you know, where you're supposed to be. And, and that's just the definition of him. Um, it, it's going to be tough. I know his measurables do not grab anybody that, that is, uh, I think it's going to be a long shot, but I'm, I'm pulling for it. Yeah. And, and check the tape. Like I know like the measurables, maybe not, but yeah, check the tape and, and like his 14, 14 reps on the bench, uh, you know, that's for a DB. Like we were, we were talking about. Very uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah. good stuff. Right. I mean, that's 225. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> I know. I don't know if anybody that there has tried to lift 225 pounds. <laughs> yeah. But, as, uh, as a five foot nine DB doing it. He's, no, he's, but, he's a uh, tank. 225 pounds is a lot of weight. I don't, I don't think you can stress that enough. Um for those of you who who go to the gym or don't go to the gym, um, like lying on the ground and lifting your couch or lifting your fridge, um, it's, with your couch it, on top of it, yeah, it's a lot of weight for him to put that up fourteen times. Um, I mean, what it shows you is what you know is that he's a gym rat. He's dedicated. He's he's training. Um, you you know, I always love bench as such a key indicator because you can't cheat bench. You know, you don't. You, you either you put the time in the gym or you didn't, and the bench shows that. Um, and like I say, I, you can. Uh, you know, I guarantee you, he won every coach's award there was at Queens. Yeah, no, for sure, and 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 I bet you the offense, Queens' own offense, probably hated him from practice and love guys like that uh, yeah, to have hope, on my team. I hope I I, I just. You know, people thought he wasn't going to translate to CIS, you know. I know, I know. I remember those conversations. Because he's not that big and he's not that fast. And, and then he went out and, you know, he, he was absolutely a good CIS player. I, I just, I think he can do it. How many more years before you start calling it U Sports? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> One last thing on, on Eric Colonna is uh, we talked about, about value that? added. U Sports. I'm not going to call it U Sports. Worst name ever. So we we talked about value added earlier, and Colonna's got punt return experience. He he played running back uh, in high school as well. Just sees yep. the field really well, like you said, football player. And you can send him back there, return punts, etc. Wildcat, so, wildcat quarterback. He, yeah, and, wildcat yeah, and, QB, and punt right? returning a little bit of punt returning. Yep, a little value added stuff there. Yep, it's all it's all good. So um, yeah, no, I like that pick. I'm gonna go. I'll go a different direction. So I'm gonna go receiver late, and there's a few guys I'm looking at. So. You've got a couple guys that I don't see. I talked about this earlier. Guys that I don't see as maybe getting time as a receiver per se, but it's their position and they can be elite special teamers. These two guys probably aren't there. Richard Burton, Jonathan Rosary. Those guys, they have the potential to be special team studs. I have them ranked much later in the draft than I think probably a lot of people do because for the Argos, I'm not looking for them simply. I, I don't want a player that's just a special teams contributor for the Argos because I think they're in a, sort of a different place. I want a guy that's going to be a starting positional player next year. And so those guys don't quite fit it. But if they are there in the seventh round, eighth round, Rosary is a tank. Uh, you know, Burton's got 
got that sort of aggressiveness, that that fire in his eyes. Those guys would be interesting. But the guy I'm going to go with is uh, Giovanni Cunningham. And this one is a sentimental one for me because I'm going to have trouble backing it up. I can't back it up with stats. I can't back it up with film. But I'm going to back it up with heart. So this is this is Jimmy the Jet Cunningham's son. And longtime Argo fans remember the Jet uh, for the devastation that he caused in the return game. He was electric. So much fun to watch. And Giovanni Cunningham was used at Cornell pretty much that way. He doesn't really have much in the way of receiving stats. And even his return stats didn't jump off the page. They were, they were good. They were good. There's nothing wrong with them. And he was consistently a returner throughout his career at Cornell. But you know, he didn't end up with even a single touchdown uh, in the NCAA. And so usually you'd be looking for something like that, some sort of production or more than the 466 that he posted. And for a guy that's 5'8", 178, 466 doesn't really stand out. But I'm telling you, there's there's magic with the Cunningham name. There's history there. And yep. you get him in double blue, put that Argos helmet on him. We're talking seventh round, eighth round. If the son of the jet is still hanging around there, there's no way that Michael Pinball Clemens does not pull the trigger on that one and say, yeah, we, we, no, we got totally. to get Manny I'm, Jet in there. Absolutely. I'm a believer in uh, genetics. Um you know, it, 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 you know, it's proven out time and time again um, that that if, you know, guys whose dads were in the CFL are really good. It usually works out that way. Like, yeah, sons of coaches, yeah, not, sons of former always, players. But yeah, I, 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 it's not just, yeah, I think that's a that's a, a, a good metric. You know, even, you know, the Mike O'Shea's kid. Yeah, that's interesting, too. I don't know what to do with him either. Uh, he's another I mean, guy. I was looking at him on my board. I'm like, where do I put him? With Okanagan, right? He was playing he was playing with Okanagan. And, and you, you look at, you know, some of that film there. And it's it's like, how do I how do I even what do I do with this? But but he was great. You know, keep, uh, him, keep him as, you know, ransom. We're going to play. You know, we're going to go up against Winnipeg. Maybe he's a little divided with his son on the Argos. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for having my Gaucher's kid on our roster. All right. Well, this sounds like a plan. So CFL Draft, it is next Tuesday, May 2nd, 8 o'clock. First couple of rounds are on TSN. Uh, you can watch the stream of it on the CFL website following that. Uh, we'll, of course, be we'll be live tweeting, reacting to it. And JB, we're going to record our podcast, I guess, right as the draft finishes like we did last year. So yeah. it'll be ready for your well, listening enjoyment. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I always hate that podcast because uh, we sound like such fanboys about all the Argo picks. But, uh, you know, I'll be damned if they don't crush it every year. So maybe this will be the year we'll finally get to take the Argos to task for a bad draft. It's true. We've we've loved three straight drafts. So I know. I know. I'm hoping for a poor one. I'm hoping I can really have some. I'm hoping I can, hoping I can for question a some picks. Just so you can um, say some different things. That's that's great. Yeah, I I hate that kind of just. Yeah, I or want like, rah, some, rah, some question marks. Team. Do you, you think anybody takes the York Rocket? No, I I I don't know. Maybe someone does. So like, they, is it four four one speed? Like, that's that's super fast. Got, there's no chance a four four one kid doesn't get picked by somebody. I you know, and I, but I like I want NFL every speed. reason. I, I, there's every reason for us to cheer for him. Like, that's another guy we we both coached against. That's yeah, and you know, a guy that we want to cheer for. He's a York guy, so you know, I I love him as well for that. But 
I just don't I don't see it there. And so, you know, someone will, but no, yeah. I don't think I don't think that's gonna be the Argos. But um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's exciting. Yeah, it well, is, JB, you know, I will, think it, it is an exciting draft. I'm trying to close the pod here, JB. Do you have any final thoughts? Sorry, I should have asked that first. Uh no, no, i I feel I've I've said all I need to. All right. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. We're so happy to be back. We're happy to have you back. And for those new listeners and viewers, we're, we're happy to have you on board. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.